Welcome to Horns Up. I'm Animesh. And I'm Peter. And on the show today, we are talking to Arun Natarajan, the one-man metal man Swiss knife, who's got a new album releasing soon under the name Moral Collapse, a name that's been in existence for over 17 years now. Hey Arun, welcome to Horns Up. How are you doing today? Hi guys, I'm doing good. How about you? Yeah, we're okay. Yeah, doing all right, man. But, you know, let's kind of talk about moral collapse because while I was reading about it, I mean, let's go all the way back to the beginning. I mean, all the way to 2004, because from what I read, moral collapse was you, uh, Sandesh Nagraj and Kishan Balaji, who were later members of the Melodic Metal Act Extinct Reflections. So take us back to that time. I mean, was it like most high school bands that, you know, you're going for world domination? And more interestingly, I want to know what kind of genre of metal were you all playing back then? Yeah, we were actually doing this in our first PU, second PU, you know, not even before, not even during degree college. Before degree college, we used to catch up and probably jam for six hours a day uh, during our summer vacation, just before we got into uh, PUC, that was the first time uh, we would play as a group and we were all just learning acoustic guitars and we were just starting off and things were uh, very exciting during that time, you know, we used to go on and on. Okay, so how did you guys come up with the name Moral Collapse? Who named it? I actually came up with the name. And what prompted you to name it Moral Collapse? I don't know, that's the first uh, metal name that came to my mind, you know. And uh, later on, uh, my friends uh, thought Extinction Reflections was a more acceptable name. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that, that's where the kind of uh, split happened. Uh, 16 years later, why did you decide to revive uh, Model Collapse? Uh, yeah, I did uh, decide to revive it because Extinction Reflections was. Uh, not anyway active and that was kind of dormant so i thought it was a good uh, time to revive the previous name before extinction reflections whatever we had and nobody was using that so i thought it's a, it's a good time to resurrect uh, this act once again yeah and i wanted to take an old school approach and do something uh, faster and more death metal than whatever i'd done previously so i thought uh, this name was going well with it hmm. all right okay so let's 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 provoke you a little bit of course now we're on the cusp of release of uh, the debut album nine songs around 40 minutes of music but yeah. first off how would you describe moral collapse to someone who's never heard of the term death metal hmm. interesting i would uh, probably um, tell them that it's old school uh, metal first, then probably it's got uh, some hints of progressive metal, then it's got some avant-garde jazz and improv materials thrown into it. So there's not a simple way of explaining this uh, project, I guess. But if I do want to sell out, I would probably uh, say uh, death metal, old school death metal, yeah, extreme metal. Okay, okay. Help us understand what makes Moral Collapse Moral Collapse. Like, what is the Moral Collapse filter of sorts? You know, like, what, what makes for an acceptable riff or idea or artwork or anything Moral Collapse? What is it that 
differentiates Model Collapse from any of the other projects that you're involved with? Um, actually, truth be said, I've just been involved with uh, one other project uh, that is Eccentric Pendulum. And uh, there I used to have uh, my peers, my bandmates, uh, they would comment on whatever I got to the table. But with this project, there was nobody to control me or nobody to tell me this is right or this is uh, not acceptable. Or there was no set uh, route or anything. So uh, there was no filter actually, whatever. This is music just, just that just came out of me and it doesn't have much edits. And in, in a lot of ways, it, a lot of ways, it doesn't have much uh, filtering or editing going on. Even when, I, when we recorded this album, uh, many things were recorded for the first time, you know, and uh, no other take would have been like the way it is right now, the way that you hear it. So it's all uh, been a first time go and a very free free improv kind of an effort with the uh, model collapse. And it's just me uh, just letting out whatever I had stored inside me. Probably not stored for 14 year, 15 years, probably stored for five years, you can say, in all honesty. Yeah. All right. Now, since you talked about, uh, you know, the writing process at Eccentric Pendulum, how does the writing process for moral collapse differ compared to it? I mean, having gone through this entire process, I have to ask, do you prefer writing alone now? I think I do prefer uh, working alone. I don't know about writing alone, but I'm not much of a team player. I realized that after 10 years that I don't, I'm not much of a team player and yeah, as I told you, I need a few things done my way and quite stubborn sometimes. So yeah, and this was the first time I worked without a drummer. I just worked with some uh, drum lines in my mind and the structure also was kind of 60% done and uh, Hans would send in his uh, drum lines and we would loop some parts, we would repeat some parts, we would edit out some parts or make just one or two new parts and add to it. And uh, you can say 60 to 75% of the work was done in the first draft itself when I sent the demo tracks to Germany for drums to get done. Yeah. All right. So, you know, speaking of Hans Grossman, I mean, he's a member of the band, right? Or how does that work? Uh, he's, just, he's a session uh, musician. Uh, he's got uh, many bands and he's not tied to any single act, you know, except probably Tripticon, which is his uh, main gig right now. Uh, they play arena level shows. That band is uh, quite a big band and Hans Grossman is quite busy. Uh, before Corona, he was quite busy with that band. And yeah, during the Corona break, there's not much of uh, um, live gigs and things like that. So I, I did get lucky with having some time and having the chance to work with Hans Prosman. Yeah, I mean, we've had him on the podcast and it's, it's quite great. And, you know, a drummer of his level. So it's pretty awesome. But, you know, the other thing about this project is the fact that there are so many guest collaborators. So we have to ask, I mean, did this start off as a list of people that you uh, wanted to work with? And <laughs> second being, who's left now on this list, considering the people you've got on this album so far? No, it was not a conscious uh, decision. 
You see, the problem is I can't play much of lead guitar and I can't play the drums. I can do everything else in a metal band. So I could conceive a lot of things from beginning till the finished product. But except the lead guitar parts and the drum parts, I was not able to. Yeah, so I needed some expertise uh, with respect to playing these lead solos or some avant-garde parts or some um, obscure instrument like saxophone or violin or things like that, which is not conventionally used in metal uh, realm, you know? Yeah. Okay, okay. So what is your process of sorts of working with collaborators? I mean, do you just leave the field open and let them do their thing? Or do you keep working with them to get what you want from them? Uh, see, I, I would uh, usually call it the rule of three. <laughs> I'm never happy with the first take anyone gives me, you know. Even if uh, Ingvi Mamsteen recorded a solo for me, the first take, I would be like, okay, is it really fitting the song? Uh, is it really what I'm looking for? Is it, uh, are we sharing some kind of a telepathic uh, chemistry? And all those things would be running in my head. So I would say each time any uh, anyone sent me a solo or anyone sent me an add-on part, it would take uh, three drafts to get there. But uh, yeah, even with Hans, uh, most of the songs, I took three, three tries or three iterations to get to where, uh, wherever we've got. So yeah, three has been the charm and I've been able, I, I'm, I'm quite happy with uh, whatever everyone has done in this project. Uh, it's been the third iteration, I think, that is finally released as the final album, yeah. Right. So we're going to be a little cheeky with this, but were there any instances of a collaboration that, you know, didn't give you what you wanted? I mean, for example, if you don't want to give their actual names, use like made up names or hide the name if you'd like. I mean, there's not uh, much to hide. As I told you, every time uh, a solo was sent, I would not instantly like it. It would take some time for me to like it or it would take some time for me to get used to that added on sound to the existing sound, uh, be it Sudarshan or be it, be it Kevin or be it anyone, you know, except for Bobby's solos. Uh, his solo on uh, track two, the first time I heard it itself, uh, I was very happy with it and I thought, wow, this is really some uh, amazing level of uh, musicianship and precision. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Um, now, on the press note, which I must say is very detailed and very well written, there's a statement which says, and I quote, a considerable portion of the oddball freewheeling music is purely improvised and played with utmost spontaneity, right? Yeah. When you use the words improvised, you know, that's the word that actually provoked me to ask you this question. How challenging was it to lock all the parts and the songs, especially since that approach and improvisation largely works best when musicians are in a room together and not exchanging files and digital communication because of the pandemic. Yeah, I think here I would say the metronome uh, was the mediator or the metronome was our uh, guiding light. Mm -hmm. would, we would do many iterations and we would play to this metronome. Uh, we would sometimes keep the drum volume low or we, keep the metronome volume high and we would record a uh, few takes, you know, that's the beauty of uh, not doing this uh, on stage, but doing it in a studio. You can try it a couple of times and uh, 
until you're happy, you can keep on trying. And as I told you, three to five times we will win it a shot. And every, um, I wouldn't say every riff, but every baseline that you hear has almost been come up on the spot. And few of the vocal lines that you hear uh, didn't even have lyrics, but it had some kind of a hummed pattern in my head. And that also was uh, screamed out at the nth minute or it was a spontaneous effort. It was not anything planned. Yeah, I would, I would shout out or scream out something and then probably I would look for some words to actually resemble whatever I had shouted out first. I had a few songs, lyrics were made like this. Few songs, there were uh, lyrics which were previously made and I had to force it and I had to sing those lyrics. And there are a lot of, uh, uh, what do you call, uh, process oriented stuff that is going on. Every song had a different kind of uh, process or an approach to it. And it was all uh, spontaneous. I mean, nothing was considered wrong or we didn't have anyone or I didn't have anyone telling me, okay, this is not right or this is hurried or you're not supposed to do it like that, you know. Whatever uh, um, was done, was done. Yeah, it's for it. Sounds interesting. So let's, let's, let's try and dive into that a little bit more, the process. What was yeah. the most challenging song, you think, to overall lock? Um, which one took the most amount of time? And why do you think something like that happened? By fluke or I don't know what, all the songs got, got done quite uh, fast. If I were to do this with uh, people in Bangalore, meeting them, jamming every day, it would have taken two months a track. But we finished in three months, I think, most of the tracking of the entire album. Initially, wow. Yeah, initially it was supposed to be a four-track EP. Uh, then things were so good and things were so fluent and fast that we decided to throw in some kind of, a, I wouldn't say filler tracks, I would say non-metal abstract avant-garde kind of tracks and probably two more tracks, metal tracks got done. So you got six to three songs, I guess, as the final uh, product. All right. Wow. So that's, I still remember us initially discussing the project and you talking about an EP. So I was quite surprised that it ended up being an album. But, you know, we've talked so much about the album so far. So let's give the audience a sample of it. Yeah. Do pick a song that you'd feel is the best way to introduce Bottle Collapse. Which one and why? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, there are a few uh, different chameleon kind of sides to this album, you know. Uh, some tracks are all out uh, brutal and they start off very fast and they they kind of have this fast pace going on and some of the tracks they start off probably slightly slower i wouldn't say slower maybe mid-paced and they would probably hint a more modern a melodic death metal kind of a vibe than an old school fast morbid engine kind of a vibe so i would recommend or i would tell the best song to introduce moral collapse would be the second song on the album there that is abandoned room sort of misspelled agony. I think um, I'm quite happy with the song, really proud of it and the way all the instruments came in together. This the second time I was experimenting with saxophone and having some other kind of instrument 
in the metal mix and I think uh, Julius has done an amazing job and of course I can say Bobby has done a killer job with just a small 30 second solo. So I think this is the best song that anyone uh, new can listen to and maybe probably they'll get inspired by Model Collapse if they listen to this song. So here it is, here's Abandoned Rooms of Misspelled Agony.
All right, so Arun, what are the lyrics on this album about? Is there a message as such that you wish for this album to communicate? It's fictitious. There is no message. Uh, I think the story uh, loosely revolves around a mother losing her child, or yeah, something like that happening in a medieval setting. You know, something like Game of Thrones setting, um, where. Uh, Injustice is swift, and uh, things are still little old, and there's no uh, what do you call? There's no proper system in place, or there's only like hierarchy and anarchy and king's rule and things like that. Yeah, it's a a big mix of all that, and I threw in a little bit of uh, what was happening to humans with respect to corona and things like that. Yeah, it's a it's a big um, mashup there's no even though i would like to call it a concept album i don't think there's a strong revolving concept just the gist that this album is about a mother losing her child or the child being swapped for something for some reason in bureaucracy yeah something like that yeah so you know considering that a lot of the album was recorded remotely uh, swapping files across countries and continents i have to ask you will mall collapse remain a studio project only or do you have plans to take it live i mean you know right now live streams are the in thing so is that something that you're considering uh definitely i would like to take this on the road and when things come back to normal i would like to pursue playing this on stage i'm not still clear uh, what role i myself must uh presume whether should i play the guitar or if i should play the bass um i definitely can't do guitar and vocals or bass and vocals so i need to get my team together and i hope i can tour in europe with the same lineup you know with hans on drums and not any not anybody else uh with respect to india i have uh, i don't have uh much clue when i be going on stage or when things things will get back to normal or when i can be uh in a mobile format you know ready to gig i'm not too sure about that but hopefully in 2022 um i have a stable lineup and hopefully by then i do have a like another ep or another single or something else uh coming out of moral collapse once again yeah wow that's that's pretty cool to hear i mean one thing i also have to ask you i mean uh, sudarshan uh, mankad right from infamy he not only played guitar on the album but he also engineered and produced it so how did he become yeah. part of the whole project uh, so yeah in the beginning stages we were all scratching our ass you know as to how to get this done uh, what is the correct way of getting it done who's going to do the click track who's going to produce uh, who's going to record there was a big question mark for all these things and we thought we should hire someone professional and things like that and we started off ourselves and we sent some file across to hans and whatever he sent he sent back they sounded quite good and i thought we could do it ourselves and that is how sudarshan started uh, producing or recording all my takes uh we would sit 
probably in three, four hours, uh, we would get uh, uh, four layers of guitars done. A few songs were taken riff by riff, few songs were taken uh, like minute by minute. It depended on uh, how easy or how comfortable we were playing these songs, you know. And bass was quite uh, amazing to track. As I told you, it was the first time I came up with these bass lines on the spot. And few did not make it to the final one. Most of it made it to the final one. And I was quite happy with the, with the percussive way I pursued the bass lines on this project. And this is also the first time I did record an entire album um, playing the finger style without any plucked drum or anything. Yeah, so Sudarshan has been a key person uh, involved in editing, in recording all the guitar tracks, all the bass tracks, yeah, and most of the vocal tracks. Some of the vocal tracks I did do it by myself because that was the easiest thing to do. Yeah, so Sudarshan did play an important role in this project and it was because of his shrewdness and he knowing the software inside out that got us through this puzzle quite fast. Yeah. I'm in forever debt, in debt to him. Wow, that's that's great to hear. So one thing a lot of people may not know is that you also run your own label, Subcontinental Records, and Moral Collapse is the first metal release on the label. So do you have plans of releasing other metal releases this year or even later on next year? Oh, yeah. This is the first year Subcontinental Extreme has gone uh, live and uh, I have a lot of uh, good things planned out for this year, starting from April all the way till December. Uh, I'm focusing on three other metal releases apart from Model Collapse for this year. Uh, one being Sudarshan's uh, shred project, it's called Tachyon Medulla. And we also have Supreet Mankan, who's Sudarshan's brother, who's got a thrash metal, death metal, something like Demolition Hammer kind of a project. I think it's called Human Broth. Uh, so we will be doing this project and I will be actively participating in this project. Uh, I might also record bass in these projects for them. And I'm quite excited to see how these projects will turn out. I think both of them are EPs, they're not uh, full-length recording. And we have uh, a very young Polish drummer called Klingbien. He has uh, played live with Vader and some other good European bands as well. So he's a very young guy, 20 years or 19 years. And He's been working with Sudarshan on his project. So I'm very excited for Tachyon Medulla, which will be released sometime in September, I think, if everything was well. Also, apart from this, I'm looking at uh, re-releasing the Mind Snare album, which came out uh, almost 10 years back, Conditioned Human. Uh, I don't know how many of you guys heard Fucking yes, that's that's <laughs> one of the most <laughs> that's that's one of my personal favorite Indian metal releases ever. Oh yeah, so that Anupam is right now mixing it again as we speak, and he's gonna remix it. He's gonna remaster it, and yeah, that is gonna sound really good. And 
there'll be a new digipack release, a four panel or an eight panel digipack release of the Mindsnare album coming out sometime later this year. Good, good, good. Something to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually waiting for Animesh's reaction to uh, Mindsnare. But uh, yeah, I'm glad. I think that album, it's been a while. So 10 years. Hey, Animesh, maybe it's time we get uh, the guys from Mindsnare on to talk about it. Yep, I think this will be a good time as any. Great stuff, uh, Arun. I mean, I'm glad to hear that Subcontinental is getting like into metal and turbocharged, if I may. So thanks so yeah. much for all the updates and the scoops, if I may call it that. But uh, yeah. we wish you all the best for uh, Model Collapse, the album release. And uh, yeah, look forward to catching it live in the near future. Great. Thanks. And with that, it's a wrap on Haunts Up this week. The debut self-titled album by Model Collapse releases on 2nd April 2021. Check it out at modelcollapse.bandcamp.com or on subcontinentalrecords.bandcamp.com. And here's a question for all you, dear listeners. Have some new music that you know we've got to talk about? Send it our way. We are at hauntsuppod.com and on the Twitter machine at hauntsuppod. I'm on Twitter at Asmoani. And I'm at Trent Crusher on Twitter as well as Instagram. Just search it up. And this is Horns Up. Horns Up, guys. <laughs> <laughs>